We've got a crazy episode for you guys today. This one's all about hiking Mount Katahdin in Baxter State Park. I did this with Dylan and we made it over 4,500 feet in elevation gain to the summit. This was a 10.4 mile round trip. And this wasn't your typical trip to Katahdin. I know it's hard for everybody, but especially for myself having cerebral palsy, there were some challenges associated with that. Around the summit, my legs essentially stopped working. Gonna tell you all the stories of the entire day, the stories of the legs stopping to work and how we ended up making it down safely and just all the ins and outs of the day. Hope you guys enjoy this one. Share it, give it a five-star review on Spotify or Apple and also check out the poll in the description. And if you guys want to donate to help support the podcast, that would be greatly appreciated. That is also in the description below. And I will be coming out with a new podcast on the first of every month. Stay tuned. Hope you guys enjoy. Got it. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to the Movement Fluidity Podcast. I'm Charlie Graffius here again with Dylan Tangaway, who was on our last episode. Is it Tangway, not Tangaway? I always say that. Tangway, yeah. Tangway, gotcha. Dylan Tangway, and today we're just going to be pretty much telling a story, pretty cool story in my opinion, about our recent trip to Mount Katahdin up in Baxter State Park in Maine, and specifically just the challenges associated with me having cerebral palsy and getting to a pretty fatigued state at about a mile in elevation, and how we navigated that. So Thanks again for coming on, Dylan. Uh, excited to talk about this. Absolutely. Thank you for having me uh, again. Yeah, no, was, this was a uh, this was a crazy, crazy trip. So, um, I'm you know getting goosebumps thinking about it. I'm stoked. So yeah, it was good. Well, first of all, thanks for for everything because I wouldn't have been able to do it. I wouldn't have one probably been able to set up my tent without you and that would have been a <laughs> hard first night in the rain uh just because dylan knows everything about all the ins and outs of camping and and climbing too so thanks for that and once we finally did get our tent set up with with your help we we made it and then got a nice early start and um you want to just just start with with how the the way up went yeah sure so um yeah, this so it was it was very awesome. We very good morning, you know, early start. We first time in my life that I've ever been on that mountain with a parking pass. Um, meaning we didn't have to wake up at two, three AM and like book it there and wait in line for four three hours until, you know, seven AM when people's passes expire and then get let in. Uh that usually means you're not starting the mountain until like eight o'clock. It's a little different, and this time was so just a blessing. We got to wake up, enjoy a little, you know, coffee. Actually, yeah, no, we actually had coffee that day, which was good. And then we're able to get going a little bit later, get some good sleep. Beautiful thing. Once we got to the mountain, beautiful start, beautiful day. A little bit rainy, but it had held off at that point, and you could tell, like, maybe going to start. 
beautiful forecast, thunderstorms, but not until like 5 p.m., super low lightning risk in our area, maybe a little bit of rain, just like looking good. Get on our way up. And in my honest opinion, like things were really good on the way up for a good four miles and and not maybe not in elevation but like four miles of trail hiking and just wrecking and and it probably wasn't until mile four where we got into a pretty rough area where you know it's about 0.3 miles of distance but it's I want to say it's about five or six hundred feet up and it's it's a friggin' haul and you're really climbing some serious boulders and I would probably pass it off to you at that point. So I should mention you've done this twice before, right? This was your third time. This was my third time. Yeah. Third time. Gotcha. So we did, we went from Roaring Brook to Chimney Pond and then took the saddle trail up. And I think it was 5.5 miles total up and about 4,500 feet of elevation, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So yeah, 3.3 to chimney and then 1.6 on, you know, basically to finish the saddle trail. I think it's another 0.3 by the time you get up to the summit. So, yeah. So then it was at the top of the saddle trail right before we got to the above the tree line where, first of all, it turned into a stream at points up to our knees for about half a mile, which had its own challenges. But once once the feet were wet, I, I didn't care. I was just trudging through the water. But definitely some some major points where we had to jump from rock to rock and the the water was moving pretty quickly. So that before we even got to the climbing part, that had its own set of challenges. I almost completely forgot about that. So yeah, the the sections that's a really good point. So I've been up there a couple times and uh, the sections that are normally bone dry, there are little streams that, you know, originate up on the mountain and they come down and obviously integrate into some of these lakes and into these larger brooks. And some of them were bone dry or at least very close to it the last couple of times that I was up there. And this year, all of them were full. I've You didn't really get to see this one, Charlie, and for anyone else who's been up there, like there's normally a little bit of, I don't want to call it a beach space, but you can normally gather around Chimney Pond a lot more than you were able to. And this year, the minute you pass through those clearings between the two like big rocks, it was just right at your ankles the the minute you got there. And that, that is the first time I've ever seen that pond that full and that high. So that was really intriguing and you're absolutely right the minute we got after out of chimney pond and started to hit saddle for anyone who's ever been on saddle about literally about a half a mile in you just are supposed to be stepping up you know 12 16 24 inch big boulders but it's bone dry for the most part and it's just a nice little ravine and you're pretty narrowed into the trail you're obviously supposed to stay on trail, but there really is absolutely no option here, even if it does drown out and become a river. And it drowned out and became a, a knee-high river for about a quarter of half a mile. And that was the first time I've ever I've ever seen that. That was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Um, and then 
yeah. And then at that point, I think probably the funniest thing that ever happened and what I would say, and I'm going to say this a million times this trip, the reason Charlie has some of the best spirits I've ever seen in my whole life is I'll never forget, Charlie, the way that we're sitting there resting and these two kids come down and they're like, <laughs> oh, man, I got my sock a little bit wet. And they haven't seen what's up ahead of them on the way down yet because they came up a different trail. And uh, it was the, one of the funniest things to watch you laugh and just go, oh, you ain't, yeah, don't worry, it's going to get a little more wet. And uh, and he just kind of looked at us like, what are you talking about? And we tried to warn him, and that, that didn't quite work. And he found out about 20 seconds after we spoke. But it was one of the funniest funniest moments of that whole trip just because uh, – it was it was evident to me that no matter how bad it got, spirits were going to be good because we had already crossed a, another, you know, 10 foot long raging river in order to get to this uphill half mile river at this point. So it was it was very evident that, you know, we were going to be in good spirits uh, for the most part. And it was that's what it ended up happening, too. Uh, but it was that was so funny. Yeah, that was good. I know. I wish we got to see that kid's reaction when when he actually saw it and realized that we we weren't messing with him. So then we get through the, the the uphill river, and then I began to realize why you took me to a rock climbing gym before, because um, I thought, so a little back backtrack, Dylan took, took me rock climbing with a few other coworkers, maybe a couple of weeks before our Katahdin hike, and I thought it was more just because you wanted us to climb with you and hang out and do something, but then I quickly realized on Katahdin that it was definitely really to prepare me because there was some serious climbing and really having to use some of the concepts that you talked about like getting your your hands in a good grip and then leveraging your feet to be able to step up and use your lower body and entire body instead of just the grip because I didn't have much climbing experience before and have always been super scared of heights so the combination of those with already four plus miles of uh of hiking in with maybe a 20 25 pound backpack which was getting lighter as we went with losing water which was pretty sweet um that was just it was hard and but you helped me every every bit of the way and going up was definitely easier than going down but still had had its own challenges and that 0.2 miles probably took i don't know at least 45 minutes or an hour going up yeah, I think that's probably about right. It's probably about right. So then we get above the tree line and there's still half a mile left, but still half a mile on this terrain seems like triple that. So we were, I don't know, probably around one o'clock by then. And we set a hard turnaround time of two o'clock. And Dylan asked me if I wanted to call it there and turn around. And I was definitely getting very fatigued at this point, but just made it too far. And, you know, turning around was just never an option because it was just, I don't know, that was just what we were there to do and there's no other option. So then we went trekking up the 0.5 miles and ended up making it to the summit right around two o'clock. Yeah, it was, uh, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think it was like two o two on the dot. Like we were, we were like right there. Um, so it was very much one of those situations. I think, you know, for me, like I, I really did at that point, you know, I was 
pretty good, right? Like for we were all pretty good. And I'd been I had summited at 2 p.m. before and I knew like, you know, it wasn't going to be a huge deal, right? Like I I knew that at this point I had done this and gotten back, you know, after sunset, but had been fine before. Um, and, and it wasn't a perfect situation, but I knew that it was a, we were safe enough at the time. And I certainly knew that in our situation, we had been prepared. We had plenty of water. We had plenty of food. Uh, we had certainly done the physical preparation that we needed to, regardless of what we, you know, regardless of what happened that we didn't expect. We did enough physical preparation to make sure that we were good. And then all of a sudden, we just took 15 minutes break because we knew that it was going to be a tight squeeze and we just rucked it again. And I think, you know, at that point, neither of us really knew what time we were going to get down, but we knew we were going to get down at some point. Um, and that was, that was the start of a long road, but a very amazing road. Yeah. So when, whenever I'm hiking, I I've definitely prepared for this one for Katahdin but smaller mountains, a lot in the whites with maybe an elevation of 1500 to 2000 feet with a weighted vest, but still it's, it's not nothing compared to the elevation and the duration of, of this hike. So the whole time going up, I knew going down is always harder for me because of the CP um, really just that eccentric load. So when the muscles, especially in the quads and the, the front of your shins are lengthening when you're going down, especially the steeper it is, is going to just require those muscles to elongate. And with the neurological piece that I, I have, it can be difficult, especially when fatigued. And I don't know all the mechanisms behind it, but, you know, lactate and waste, waste products building up, muscular endurance, um, the motor control aspects, it all plays a role. And Dylan and I had talked about this before and trained for it, but there was really just no, no preparing for exactly how it was going to feel. Cause I'd never reached that point. And the whole way up in the back of my mind, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, every step I'm going up, I'm going to have to come down as well. And every step I'm going up, it's getting harder and harder and the legs are getting more tired. And a few times I would, voice my concern to Dylan and I think you gave a great you gave great advice by saying don't worry about the way down right now we still got to get up because the way up was very challenging just in a different way maybe more just overall you know feeling it in your legs and the cardio but in the back of my mind the whole time I'm thinking oh geez if this is going to be a, a mission to get down and then when we took that 15 minute break at the top and started to go down it the my legs just pretty bluntly stopped working i don't know how how else to describe it i'd never been that fatigued and when those muscles are having to work in that elongation instead of the concentric the opposite the shortening on the way up they were just not having a good time and then i was trying to trying to control my movements the best I could, but it just wasn't working. So realized that to get over five miles down at this state was going to be 
very tough. Yeah, no, it's, 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 you just hit it on the head too of, of everything and how it kind of went down. Like we very, we very much kind of had a hunch of what was going to go down. And, and I think, you know, for me, one of the biggest things that I, I found there and, and one of the biggest things that I find helpful is, you know, if you have already had the conversation of, do you want to turn around? Do you not want to summit? Do you want to, to call this a day? Right. And the answer is already no, which is respectable. And at the time that we were at, like, I respect that decision. That's fair. I'm, I'm, you know, we had our hard turnaround time and it was not that time and we were not there yet. So, okay, we don't have to turn around yet. And for me, a lot of those times, once we've kind of made that decision and once we've re uh, like reaffirmed a few times, that's the decision. Totally. Like, I, I think if there's one thing that I've, you know, and that's a, there's a, a, a life analogy in there somewhere of you can't worry about, about that yet. You know, like if you've made the decision that you are getting to the top and, and you're not turning around until the turnaround time, you just can't worry about that yet. You know, it's almost like compartmentalizing that, that piece of what you know is about to happen because the minute you, it's almost like torturing yourself the entire time. Right. And, and mentally it becomes so much more of a daunting situation when you're when you're unable to pull yourself out of that repetitive loop of of thought and and I think you know yeah I think if there's one thing that I would say really has helped me and I do not believe that was the problem here I just believe that that was one thing that I tried to use to potentially help you out but I don't believe that was the root problem uh, not for a, a single moment I think we both are very well aware of what happened and it was, it's fine. Um, but I think it was much more about let's keep us both here. Cause I was kind of like a little bit, you know, that was for me as much as it was for you is what I'm trying to say It's because it was very much about, all right, I've made this decision. And, and I'm also thinking to myself to be quite blunt, what sections can I, and can I not literally carry somebody down this mountain? And, and if I need to do that, where can I physically not like, where am I physically incapable of doing that? Um, and when I started to reach that type of thought process, that's when I also started to st say, you know, to both of us, definitely you were the only one there. So it sounded like I was talking to just you, but that was definitely to us. And it just said, Hey, like we got to stay, we got to stay in it. Like if we're not turning around and if I'm not going to, you've already said it a couple of times, I'm not going to keep asking. And you know, let's roll. We got to, we got to go and we'll turn around at two, but it's not two yet. And we're not there. So, um, yeah, just a, a very weird quick minute decision, but I think we both knew, you know, we had, we'd had this conversation a hundred times beforehand and we didn't have to say a whole lot. I think we, we both knew what the intention was. Right. Totally. Yeah. And you know, it was totally worth it. I, if we, chose to turn around I would have been kicking myself for not making it to the top and would have just been constantly thinking about the next time that we could get up there and and actually make it so very glad we made it to the top even though it was only 15 minutes at the summit we just enjoyed every every minute of it the views were were amazing uh, granted it was a little bit cloudy and the visibility on half half of the mountain wasn't the best but just seeing as Seeing Maine from that perspective was was absolutely insane. Um, 
then I guess we can get into the the downhill now. So made it down the 0.5 miles to the top of the saddle trail where that 0.2 miles that took 45 minutes on the way up, that was the part I was really nervous about because that was the climbing part and now had to climb down. And the greater the the angle, the more of that eccentric load you're going to need. And then also you're just going to need to go into some weird positions and kind of uh, just climb climb down instead of climbing up but at a rock gym you can't practice climbing down really it's i know you, you can a little bit but mostly when you're going to a rock climbing gym you're you're going up and just getting let down so the fear of of the heights of falling and the combination of the the lack of motor control was just scary at times but i kept a pretty calm demeanor in um, and mentally was, was calm. I just knew if I tried to rush it and go down super quickly that I would probably get seriously injured because I couldn't take big steps. I, most of the time I, on that section, I had to do the, the shuffle on your, on your hands and, and on your butt uh, kind of ruined my, one of my favorite pairs of shorts too, which I'm still pretty pissed about. Um, no. Yeah, I know. Too bad. The the white ones too. I shouldn't have worn the white ones that day with the oh. scooting down. <laughs> so rookie mistake there. Um, but going down that, scooting down, using the poles at some points, passing the poles to Dylan, throwing the poles down 20 feet, and then using my hands again. It was just a an absolute just grind to get down the those 0.5 miles that took at least an hour and a half. And at that point, it's probably getting close to four o'clock and we still had over four miles to climb down and my legs were shaking pretty uncontrollably. And this was really the first time that I'd gotten to that level of muscle spasticity where the muscles are shaking and had been able to be calm mentally, which was, was a big win in my book, but that didn't change the fact that we were still four miles up and had to make it down because as Dylan mentioned, as some, and as some of the park rangers mentioned, the destination is home and it is not the top. So we had to get to the bottom and get home safely. Yeah. I mean, that's, you just hit it on the head. And I think one of the biggest things that I found to be super, you know, also new for me was, you know, I've gotten to, to know you've, quite well since you've worked at coastal and we've hung out and trained and now I've rock climbed with you and been in a variety of different situations and rocked with you and watched you carry around a 40 pound vest and I knew how much you know I see you train every day and all these things and I knew all right Charlie is physically prepared as best as he can be for this right now so I was also like I think we were I was also shocked shook surprised like whatever the word is because I expected, and it's fine, like I, I, whatever, but I expected, okay, whatever he's like at the top for that 0.5 is what I'm going to get after the climbing section is done. So I knew the climbing section would be just brutal, right? But I, I was pretty sure or thought, assuming as terrible as I now am convinced uh, that 
as we got down the climbing section that like, all right, we were just going to have to go very slow again, be safe. Like life was good. And I have never seen you fatigued to the point where something like that started happening as well from, you know, like a true muscle spasticity standpoint. Um, And I think for me, that was one of the first times that I had seen, had this feeling deep down inside me that I, you know, and I shared with you, like, Charlie, if there's something I can do right now, I hope, you know, I would have done it yesterday because there was nothing quite like watching someone's light stop working in front of them and to like not be able to help right and to i mean to be able to help with you know some hands and stuff like cool hand in the poles like great but to not be able to do a damn thing to actually fix the problem right um, and as i had shared with you this was the first time that i had ever been on that a mountain and that mountain specifically and had somebody had problems that had nothing to do with lack of preparedness had nothing to do with not enough water had nothing to do with not enough food had nothing to do with not you know not listening to you know the the most experienced member of the the team or whatever it had nothing to do with any of those things and it had everything to do with a neurological component that neither of us had seen stressed to that level before um and it was just this very unique blend of a complete learning experience, a complete fascination based on watching somebody grind through this and then a complete genuine, okay, what can I do? You know? Um, so it was, it was this very interesting blend of like, re- like rescue slash help slash fascination at the same time. So it was just this really cool experience for me. Yeah. And there was no chance I was going to want you to carry me down. Like I, you know, would, I wanted to climb up myself and climb down myself too. And at some, especially at some points of it, it would not be safe for, for anybody to carry, carry somebody down because, you know, that was, that would be, I think impossible, especially on that, that really steep part. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the whole idea is like that, that was basically what I meant earlier is like when I start thinking about something like that, which I know is damn near impossible. No way. Like we got to figure out, we got to, we got to shape our thoughts a little differently here because that is not going to happen. Yeah. So like Dylan mentioned, we had our, our hydration, the electrolyte balance, the, the nutrition, everything was, was on point. We controlled the controllables, but just couldn't prepare for, for this level of fatigue. So finally make it down that 0.2 mile stretch. Then we have the now downhill river that we're walking through still. And at that point I was so fatigued and just wanted to get down so bad that I was trudging through all of the water. I didn't, I wasn't trying to hop from rock to rock like we did sometimes on the way up. And also got a little bit of that, that different input to the nervous system with the cold water running up to your to your knees which is is a pretty cool good numbing feeling when the legs were at that level of spasticity and kind of along the same lines of the the full body ice baths that I do a lot but now just getting the lower legs that that shock and I think that definitely helped a lot 
So made it through the downhill river and then still had about, I don't know, what, two miles to Chimney Pond or so? Yeah, at that point, it was about one six. One six. And that's when we, we ran into the park rancher. Yeah. Yep. So what was her name? Uh, Jen. Jen. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so Jen was the park ranger. Shout out to Jen. I, I doubt she'll be listening to this, but if she is, um, she was at the top and was just, you know, taking care of people's trash, which should never happen, but doing that type of stuff and just making sure everybody's safe at the top. And she was making her way down to Chimney Pond, where I believe she stays the night. And she saw us and realized that we were getting to the point where it would be dark on a lot of our descent and needed to make sure everything was okay. So we explained the situation, explained that we have our headlamps, we have plenty of food, plenty of water, and that we were fine. It was just going to take some time and had to stay going slow to make sure that I was safe. Yeah, and I think, you know, she gave us the go-ahead at that point. I think she was really um, pleased that she was running into a a group of slow prepared hikers and not a group of, you know, about to pass out hikers. And I think that um, she was really happy to see that we were obviously, you know, doing our job there and had our lamps. And we were really happy to hear that, you know, they were supportive of our kind of endeavor, which was great. And that um, should we be locked in the park, that they were going to assist us and allow and allow us to, to get out of the park, um, which was a really beautiful thing given the, given the situation. Thankfully, we didn't end up necessarily needing that help, but it ended up being like a good little good little bonus for the morale. It was, yeah. That, that was just amazing. And at one point I was, before that, I was thinking there's no way we're going to make it down and we're going to have to stay tent up at at the pond at chimney pond or get a get a freaking copter to come 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 get us and uh one told me that that was not an option and i i knew it wasn't but there were a few times where i'm thinking you know get the get the helicopter up here yeah i think um you know my big my big thought was a that yeah no that wasn't an option to be like by the time you wake up at chimney the next morning you can yeah you walk down in the light but you are so you know if i think of how you were how we were both feeling sunday like you don't want to wake up and hike three more miles downhill like you want to be you want to be waking up on sunday the way we woke up which was in our tent ready to go home eating and you know eating some egg sammies and uh Yeah. yeah Yeah. Then made it to the ranger station at Chimney Pond. They brought us in, asked if we were all right. And we we were totally fine and definitely could have gone down right away. But they offered us some food, gave us a a uh, camper mac and cheese. Is that is that the term for it? That was uh, yeah, it was like a, cooked, but but warm. <laughs> Yeah, it was like a backpacker's pantry type thing, uh, but I, it wasn't that brand, but I can't remember what brand it was. Shout out to backpackers. I'll yeah. send you the invoice for the brand. <laughs> nice. Shout out. Yeah, that hit the spot. And they they just thought, you know, we're not going to get down because that was 7 o'clock, 7 p.m. at that point. 
and we still had three and a half miles to go. So they, they said, at the pace you're going, you're probably not going to get down till 10 or 11 or 12. And we're not going to have time for dinner when we get down. So they just gave us a little bit of mac and cheese and some candy bars. Those also hit the spot and sent us on our way. I believe we left Chimney Pond at 7.15. Yep. And then had that three and a half miles to go, which was definitely much easier than the rest of the, the descent. It wasn't any of the climbing parts, but, you know, still losing a ton of elevation and going a, a good distance. So took a, took a good amount of time, but we just kept kept going on and just got to the point where we just wanted to get off the mountain so bad. And I know Dylan could have gotten off much sooner, but he was just the, the best help on the way down, especially um, the whole the whole trip, but especially on the way down. And I was just getting frustrated at times, wanting to get off and asking over and over, like, where's the next sign? Where's the next milestone? To, so we know that we have a certain certain amount of time left or a certain amount of distance, because at that point, we had been on the mountain since 7.40 a.m. And it was, we ended up getting down just after 11 p.m. So on the mountain for over over 15 hours and those last couple hours where it's dark we're using our headlamps and we're just tired the feet are hurting everything's just we're just exhausted and wanting to reach the car so bad to get home and get back to the campsite and get into the tent yeah i mean it was it was 7 48 when we signed that paper in the daytime and 11 05 when i signed the paper at night um so 15 17 is basically what what the trip was 15 hours and 17 minutes. And, um, you know, I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, at the end of the day, we were both, and I said it, you know, I, I had, I had continued to check in and just check how you were doing. You said you were good. 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 And it wasn't until hour 14 where you said, I want to get the heck off this mountain. And, you know, the fact that it took that long to get to that point is, you know, an incredible thing. And the fact that, you know, it, it, the fact that it took you that long to say that is an absolutely incredible thing because I had asked at least three times an hour and every other time I got, I'm good. I'm good. I'm still good. Legs are a little tired, but I'm good. Mental, good, physical decline, feeling good. Like you were, you were always like, I'm good. And it wasn't until like that last, last time where I was like, you know, that's how you should feel so good because we've been on here for a while. That's how you should feel. Congratulations. Like we're almost there, you know, and, uh, and we were at that point and it was, it was tough. It was slippery. It was dark. You know, it started to, the thing that was really in our favor that night was that even though it had started to really start to rain a pretty hard, uh, which it had rained from the minute we got on the summit the entire way down, uh, once we had left Chimney Pond, the last two hours that it was pitch black, it really was a beautiful night. I mean, I was, it was perfect temp. You were not too hot, not too, you know, cold. You could see clearly. Viz was good. Rain had gone away. Just a crystal clear night to be hiking, you know, through a mountain. And it was, it was, that was just such a blessing. I, I couldn't help but think while we were sitting there how grateful I was to have good weather and how terribly sad i would have been to have rain 
at 10 o'clock at night in the pitch black. Right. I know. Yeah, that was that was definitely nice. Did, uh, I forgot to mention, did you see the I believe it was six hikers that had to get rescued from Katahdin? I did. Yeah, that's crazy, man. I did. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I on the off chance that we live in a really small world and people know people. I'll be respectful, but I just, I hope people are prepared and I hope people choose to, you know, I mean, thank you, Rangers. Thank you, North Search and Rescue for helping those individuals get down. I'm sorry you had to shelter in place on the mountain in order to rescue people. I can't, I can't even imagine how they sheltered there. And there, there were 30 mile an hour wind gusts too. Yeah. And yeah. And it's, uh, I, I I have vague information on what happened, uh, but based on the information I have now, hikers, please bring water, plenty of water and enough food to keep you um, cognitively, you know, okay, right? Cognitive impairment from low blood sugar and lack of hydration is super real. And if it happens up on a mountain, it's a really bad situation. That's a really bad place to be making bad decisions. And uh continuing across that ridge line at 5:30 was not the best of decisions. Yeah, that's to say the least. Yeah, so we brought about what 3000 calories each and a little over a gallon of water as well as different electrolyte packs. Yeah, I mean basically what it what it boils down to calorie wise was, you know, I know for a fact that in my bag there was probably um, which might have been overboard, but in my bag there was about seven thousand calories, uh-huh. about yeah three and a half liters of water. I'm sorry, three and a half. Um, yeah, three and a half liters of water. Um, I drank half a liter on the like that first like forty five minutes of getting ready. So I had carried, I believe, three liters um, with me, and then yeah, I mean you. We had plenty of everything, and I think you had three and a half yourself or three, um, and plenty of plenty of food, plenty of electrolyte packs. Um, a lot of the snacks that we did have as well um, were, by nature of the food themselves, either high sodium and magnesium foods. Um, well, obviously taking health into consideration, but you got to get your electrolytes. Cheese it dust is an acceptable hiking food. I will stand by that. Uh, and then the other snacks that we had were, you know, basically snacks made by companies that are sports nutrition, like companies that tend to stack their products with high levels of electrolytes anyways. So we were we were fully loaded from a calorie and electrolyte perspective and had plenty of water. So uh, preparedness was definitely not the issue there. Yeah, definitely. Well, just wanted to say again, thank you so much for, for everything on and off the mountain. I would not have been safe there without you or mentally sane. So just can't say enough good things about how, how, how much you helped me on the mountain and wouldn't have wanted to do it with anybody else. So really, I appreciate everything so much, man. Charlie, you have a heart of gold and you have ice in your veins. You people can't see it, but I have the picture right here that you gave me of our summit with a little note on the back. You're very welcome. Love you forever. Love you, man. Thank you.